Good morning. So as the days go on, we'll be unfolding uh, the instructions for mindfulness that essentially come from a, a sutta called the Satipatthana Sutta, uh, most usually translated as the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, how to remember sati. The word is most closely translated as remembering. And yesterday we uh, started with the simple awareness of breath. Today we're going to continue with what is known as the first foundation of mindfulness, the mindfulness of the body. And we're going to unfold into not just the breath, but also awareness of body and its sensations. We basically live in a culture that has very definite ideas about what the body should look like from the outside. And many cultural norms have been created as a result of uh, that. I was going to say teaching, and in a way it is a teaching. We've been taught from the time we've been very young about what what constitutes a beautiful body and what doesn't. And much of the time, the message is that it's not us. This awareness of body that we're working with is not awareness of the body from the outside, but awareness of the body from the inside. Really understanding that the body is the container for this life and in a way is the container for our emotions and our thoughts. And so the body will reveal sometimes painful areas of tightness and tension and psychological holding patterns. And in the beginning, I think we believe that these physical uh, difficulties are nuisances. And they're either to be fixed or ignored or transcended so that we can get onto the real stuff. But actually, it might be very surprising to understand that these sensations are the actual substance of practice. That they're not to be avoided, denied, or suppressed, but actually to be known. And what, we'll, what begins to happen is we begin to see, and it may be surprising, how much love and compassion and awareness are found through the body 
So the Buddha very wisely put the body as the first foundation of mindfulness so that we can understand uh, how most of our experiences are embodied and that if we avoid uh, the body or avoid awareness or knowing of the body, we can miss so much of our present moment experience. And so it's one of the best friends we have for integrating this practice, for bringing this practice into our daily life, because, of course, we travel in the body. So it's not um, a kind of beginner's practice where we start with the body so that we get grounded and then we kind of move on to the real stuff. But this is the real stuff. This is the understanding of how experiences are embodied. So we see that um, our attention, our center of attention and gravity can become projected in front of us. So we're falling forward into, you know, what's for lunch or the plans for, that we have for the future or our memories of the past. And we move up into the head and uh, move away from the body. And when we come back into the body, we become once again connected and we begin to really um, be able to connect to our present moment experience uh, through this body. And when we are more settled in the body, we become more sensitive to subtler movements away from the center of our being. So if we're paying attention to the body, we begin to become more, uh, we begin to become aware more and more and more quickly of when we are away from uh, this present moment and what is happening even now and what begins to happen is we begin to see uh, even uh, subtler and subtler uh, experiences of attachment and aversion. There's a beautiful um, first line in one of James Joyce's books where he says, uh, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. And we, of course, know that. We know how it is for us that we often live a short distance from our bodies. So we, the, when the Buddha gave the instructions for mindfulness of the body, he gave several different ways in which we can know the body from the inside out. That we can know the body through the breath, which we started with yesterday and we will continue through the whole week with that we can become aware of the posture. And he, he famously said that, you know, we have four postures, walk, sitting, walking, standing, and lying down. And so if you're aware of all four postures, then your mindfulness is continuous because there aren't any other postures that the body has. 
So whether we're walking, sitting, standing, or lying down, as we were discussing yesterday, we're aware, we're present for what's happening in the body. And as such, we are constantly and continuously mindful. And of course, the body is also the container for overwhelming experiences, painful experiences, and difficult experiences. And if we are able to stay with the body through, through difficult emotional experiences, then it's a facilitator for um, helping us to be able to stay present and to stay centered and to stay grounded during those kinds of emotional and mental storms. Because emotions can always be felt in the body, whether it's fear through um, tightening of the stomach or anger, we get a heated face, or joy, we get warmth in the chest or restlessness, we feel coursing through our legs and arms. We, by focusing on the body, produced by these difficult emotions, we stay present for them. And we allow the revelation of deeper and deeper understanding. So, um, let's, uh, let's sit together. So pay attention to the way you establish your posture. And what's helpful in establishing the posture sometimes can be simply knowing the contact points of the body. So the buttocks touching the seat and the resultant hardness or softness, warmth, pressure, vibration. And there are other contact points such as the eyelids connecting or the lips touching or the hands on the knees or in the lap. quite simple. We don't have to be um, complicated or try to make anything happen or to stop anything from happening. But it's an invitation to simply train the mind, as Sharon has been saying, in presence. just to know how the body is in the seated posture. And even this seated posture can be a way of knowing what's happening when we find the body moving, falling forward or leaning back. We can establish, reestablish a kind of vertical posture that's not 
tight or tense or holding or trying to make something happen, but simply continuing to reestablish our uh, centrality, our centeredness, so that we're neither falling forward nor falling back, but we're right here, so that even the body can embody that experience of being centered. And allow the, uh, the awareness, the attention to simply scan through the body to see whether there are places of tension or tightness. And again, not so much that we transcend them or fix them or make them go away because sometimes we can't. But to pay kind and loving attention without judgment to what is true. And of course, when you feel areas of tension, it's possible to simply see if uh, there can be a relaxation and ease, but not a forcing. So where there's tightness, notice it. See if you can let it, allow it to relax. And if it can't, notice that too. And just know how it is in the body right now. And to the extent that you can, soften. Soften the feeling in the body. And keep a very relaxed mind in seeing sensations, especially where they're strong and painful. So that the mind isn't tensing in response to tightness or hardness or burning or throbbing, whatever the sensations are. And as Sharon mentioned last night, we can use noting rather than having a story about what is happening or feeling victimized by it. To simply notice, oh, this is throbbing, burning, stabbing, heat, cold, whatever it is, however it feels. We have a tendency to tense in reaction. And this is an expression of aversion or dislike or avoidance. And that creates, that unbalances the mind. So if we can relax behind the pain, if there is pain in the body, and simply observe the flow, we can notice how it's not one solid block, but a kind of shifting, changing flow of sensations. So that when we relax, the pain is not a solid mass, 
but a flow that's arising and vanishing from moment to moment. So sit with a relaxed, uh, calm mind and observe the flow of sensations without aversion and without expectations. And if there are no predominant sensations in the body, body feels uh, relatively stable, then we simply return to the breath. We notice the in and out or the rising and falling in and out if you're uh, being with the breath at the nostrils or the rising and falling if you're with the breath at the belly. And you can use the noting for the breath also to simply notice when the air comes in. If, it's, if you're at the nostrils, when the air comes in, make a very, very <coughs> silent note in the mind of in and out as it goes out not so much to become connected to the words, but as a way of using the words to connect you to the direct experience of breathing. And similarly, when there is a predominant sensation in the body that calls the attention away from the breath, can simply notice the flow of sensations and if it's helpful use a note just to keep connected so that the mind can stay relaxed and allow the awareness to be rhythmic So it's not jumping or clutching at what's happening or at sensations, but just seeing rising, falling, itching, burning, warmth, heat, cold, rising, falling in that way. So that we stay connected to the body and how it is. And if you find yourself tensing away from uh, pain or, or um, tensing away from what, is, what feels like a difficult sensation, just examine the quality of unpleasantness or painfulness that is being felt. When we become mindful of these feelings, we'll notice that the mind naturally comes to a state of balance. So that our practice is like a dance. 
It's not like a staccato piece of music, but really like a dance that flows. Our attention flows with whatever is arising. So we stay with the breath. Unless the something predominant in the body draws the attention.
So we have time for a couple of questions this morning. Yes, please. A little, if you could speak a little louder. You have sleep paralysis. So do you have them when you're at home? That's how your dreams are going to be? Is that what you said? Yeah, they just seem to always get worse and worse. And Yeah. Yeah. So what she said is that um, when she comes on retreat, her dreams seem to uh, get really violent. And uh, there was a kind of editorial at the end of that, which was that it's probably going to get worse, right? Is that what you said? Well, I don't want to misquote you. Well, I've been here, like, this is my seventh year, uh-huh. and every time, and so now I'm, like, I'm already thinking. Uh-huh. So um, they wake you up? Um, no, uh, sometimes they wake me up and I scream. Uh-huh. I find myself talking. Uh-huh. Trying to, like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sure, but I but I think that um when we come on retreat and and we everything starts to settle down and we get still that a lot of energy that may have been repressed or a lot of energy that is operating anyway within our minds and bodies um, becomes clearer and is is released. So it's it's not surprising that you know there's a there's a sense of intensity that um, starts to build over the time that we're on retreat, and so the the manifestation in dreams would be you know would be part of that that there's a energetic thing that happens when we allow what is um, unconscious or unseen to begin to release itself. And so it may come out in the, in the form of dreams. I'd be a little careful about um, projecting into the future that this is going to get worse um, because we don't know. We never know what's going to happen. Um, and so it might get worse, it might disappear, or it might stay the same. Those are the only three possibilities. Um, but don't exclude any, don't exclude two of the three. Um, I don't know if Sharon or Bhante have anything to add to that.
the Buddha said one of the benefits of metta loving kindness is you uh, you have wonderful dreams. So maybe before you sleep, try to send loving kindness. Do you do that before you sleep? Uh, right. Yeah, so don't just dive into the bed and sleep. T- spend a few moments of meditation on loving kindness. I think that might help, actually, because that's a, one of the benefits is that you have good dreams, not nightmares. <laughs> yes, so that's what I would offer. Beautiful, thank you. Thank you. Yes, Gina. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So what Gina is saying is that she heard two she heard what might be feel conflicting, which is to not manage pain or difficult sensations, but um but to relax into it and that feels a little bit um contradictory. Especially because you had some kind of uh cramps in your feet. Yeah, it happens and it happens every time, every time you sit. So the instruction to, um, to relax into it is an instruction of what to bring to your awareness of what's happening in the body. And you'll notice that if you tense away, which is, you know, what we tend to do. If something is difficult, we tense away from it. And that usually makes it worse, right? So we are, obviously, we, we don't want to bring on pain. We have enough pain in our lives that's natural. So we certainly don't want to bring it on. So we want to bring to um, our awareness, we want to bring to our practice a mind that is open and relaxed and easeful, even in the midst of difficulty, whether it's physical difficulty or emotional difficulty. So the instruction to bring a relaxed mind is not is is to not make a project out of trying to get rid of what is difficult. But that doesn't mean you know, so let's move away from meditation for a moment. So if you, if you have a headache, right, you have, two, you have two choices, two ways that you can work with it as a practitioner. One is you can pay attention to what's happening and how that feels and the throbbing or the burning or the stretching or whatever the sensations are so that you take every experience is an opportunity to learn about how the mind and body work. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with at some point saying, you know, I need to get some stuff done and this is really, 
um, interfering. So I, I'm going to take an aspirin. Right? Absolutely nothing wrong with that. You're not betraying your mindfulness by, um, by taking, taking an aspirin or taking measures to deal with what is, um, what's easily dealt with. A lot of the time, things are not so easily dealt with, right? And so, as uh, both, as Sharon was saying last night in her talk, what we understand as practitioners, that it's not so much the content of our experience that causes suffering. We may, it may be painful, but it doesn't have to cause suffering if we understand that what causes the suffering in what is already a painful experience is our relationship to it and how we work with it. So the instructions are really about how to work with uh, what is difficult, whether it's physical difficulty, emotional difficulty, mental difficulty. What we bring to it will have a great deal of effect on whether or not we're suffering as a result of what is painful or difficult. So the other, the other thing to um, work with, with difficult sensations in the body, is it's what's happening. And you'll notice that I use the word predominant. So we're minding our own business and we're breathing and we're knowing that we're breathing and we're being with the breath. And, you know, sensations are coming and going in the body. And we're leaving them alone because they're not pulling our attention, they're not calling our attention, they're not screaming for our attention. But suddenly, as we're noticing in and out or rising and falling, some intense uh, heat appears in the body or uh, a feeling of stabbing appears in the body or what was the, what was the sensation in your foot? A tingling. So a tingling happened in, in the foot. That sounds kind of pleasant to me, actually. Uh, but you're saying it was an unpleasant tingling. So it calls your attention. So you pay attention to it. So now that's your present moment experience, right? So you're paying attention to it. And as I said before, three things can happen. It can stay the same. It can get worse or it can get better or it can get less painful. So we pay attention to the movement of it and what we begin to realize is what we call pain or we call, um, what we call pain is not one solid mass of pain. Pain really is a concept. What we're experiencing is a constellation of sensations that are coming and going. And so we see that and we notice that if we can bring a relaxed mind to it, it will come, it will be intense for a while, and it may go, or it may not, right? So at some point, there, you, have two, you have three choices. One, you can stay with it, but that might feel overwhelming. That's the first choice. The second choice is that you can, um, you can move away from it and back to the breath, but it's probably going to be calling you anyway. Or you can find another uh, part of the body that doesn't feel so intense, that may feel warm and 
maybe there's a pleasant tingling. And you're not betraying your mindfulness when you do that, because that too is happening in the present moment. So that if you bear down too hard on what is difficult, it may become overwhelming and you may and it may lose it may sap your energy so you can either so you can so that's another choice is you can move to something that is you know a, a warm feeling in your belly or a tingling in your hands or a tingling in your feet or some pleasant experience and then move back to the difficult experience if that's possible or you can shift your body that's also perfectly fine. Uh, if you feel as if it, you know, your foot is cramping because you have it too tightly under your thigh or, uh, or you feel as if moving it might be some relief. But notice the attitude with which that you bring to that movement, whether it's a kind of um, desperation and tightness or if you can do that with some, equi- some equanimity and some balance of mind and uh, a, a, a kind of wisdom of, okay, that's enough. I can now, it, I, need to do, I need to take action to perhaps improve the situation a bit. And all of that is, all of that is perfectly acceptable. And it's not, it's not so much the emphasis is not so much on what you're doing, but the relationship that you're bringing to what's happening and your response to that, to, to what's happening. So that, uh, I hope that clarifies what, what, I, what I meant. And I can understand how it would sound contradictory, but it really, it really isn't. It's a, you have a, you have a kind of, um, uh, variety of tools in your toolbox and see how you can work with them in a way that is rhythmic and flowing and where your presence is a constant and it's a kind presence and a loving presence and a patient presence rather than one where you're reactive and jerking you know at everything that happens in the body or in the mind. So we have to stop. I have a couple of announcements. Um, we, we're having uh, the second set of group meetings meetings today. <laughs> I love the way she says it too. Um, meetings. And so please, please, please look at the board to decide to see, to see um, if, you're, if you're scheduled. If you didn't have a group meeting yesterday, you have one. You're scheduled today. So please um, check the board and do that. Uh, uh, Bonte is going to talk a little bit uh, for just for a couple of minutes because we have uh, our meetings uh, about starting eight precepts this practice this afternoon. Yes, those, for those who are interested to take eight precepts, uh, there will be a sign-up paper there. I think it's already posted there. No, it will be after. Right, so uh, those who are interested to push an extra envelope and uh, take on these eight precepts, uh, 
beyond the five precepts. The fifth one, I mean the, the sixth one is uh, undertake the precept to uh, refrain from eating at wrong times. That's when the sun is at a zenith. So, they say sometime noon hour. So that's also what we observe with monastics. We don't eat after the noon hour. In other words, when the sun is at the zenith. So that's of many benefits, actually. When you have a lot of food in the evening, you can't meditate. Actually, most of these precepts are to support your practice, meditation practice. So if you're interested, you can take that. Another one is uh, undertake the precept refrain from entertainment, beautification, and adornment. Also, that helps uh, you to practice meditation very well when all the time you're not thinking where you put your earrings and, <laughs> and bag <laughs> bracelets and all these things. So, and also garlands, you know, wearing all these garlands and adornment and perfumes and all those things. So actually, you have extra time to think about meditation and where you left your rings and all that. So, um, of course, uh, that's also of uh, many benefits that you're going to experience yourself once you take it. Another one uh, is a precept to refrain from lying on high and luxurious beds and seats. I don't think there's a king-size bed here. <laughs> so. You, <laughs> I think these are easy precepts to keep, you know. <laughs> According to me, there's no really chair, like a, like a king chair with lions. <laughs> so uh, they are very easy. If you're interested, please uh, sign up. And uh, Well, maybe what we could do is have, you, have people come just to meet with you this at this afternoon, and then they'll hear a little bit more about. Yes, at five. Yeah, at five. And they don't have. And if you sign up, you don't have. It's not like you're committed for the three days. You can try it out and see what's good. Okay. So. And just a couple of things. Please, 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 please turn off your phones, and especially please do not bring them into the uh, meditation hall. We really are trying to keep a container that is conducive to. Uh, practice and so we need every single person's um, cooperation in that because as I said the other night if one person uh, pierces the container then it leaks and so it really is helpful it's and it's part of the practice to really understand how we support each other so the shower hours the phones everything is all um, set up for protecting the container and really helping, supporting all of us in that way. So please do the best that you can to come to the, uh, to the hall on time and to turn off your phones and to um, keep the quiet in the dorms as, as best you can. Thank you so much. Have a great day.